In a complex world brimming with new ambitions, the best leaders create the best workplaces. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers Podcast, where you can hear real stories about digital capabilities and a culture of empowerment with your host, Joanne Meyer. All right. So um, this is the podcast. This is the Digital Doers Podcast. And we're doing something a little different this evening. We, we have a live audience. We have a live audience and we have two guests with us tonight and we'll, we'll uh, get to talking to them real quick on a, on a topic that's uh, pretty timely and uh, uh, very relevant, lots of, lots of energy around this topic. So we'll get to that in a second, but before we wanna recognize a few folks and say thank you. Um, I need to say thank you, wanna say thank you to HPE, which is the sponsor of the Digital Doers podcast. And if you get a chance, go take a look at their website. They have a new platform called GreenLake. And it's all about what their tagline is, is bringing the, now I need to know what that is. It's bringing the cloud to you. And that uh, seems to be important as, uh, I guess data would show that 70% of data and applications still reside on premise these days. And so having the ability to have that cloud experience at your edges, co-location, wherever your data resides uh, is, is pretty important. So go check that out. The other thing I want to do is I want to recognize our um, sponsor for our OGGN mixer, which is where we are this evening, and that is Appian. And we're going to get to hear a whole lot about the sponsors tonight because they're doing double duty here. Not only are they the sponsoring of the, the mixer, um, they're also the entertainment, or no, the education, or maybe maybe both uh, for us tonight. Yeah, we're going. And so I'm really happy we're going to meet, uh, get a chance to meet Alexis and Tom in just a second. But I also want to thank a couple of other folks. I need to uh, say thank you to Carbock Brewery for the libations that we have tonight that a lot of people seem to be enjoying. I also want to say thank you to IFS for the, the delicious looking food that Tom and I were eyeing and trying to resist, but it looked amazing. Also would like to thank Corva. Corva allowed us to use their beautiful space here at the Cannon. Uh, and it is beautiful, beautiful place here. So we've got a lot of folks that have put a lot of uh, investment into this evening. So uh, we want to get on to things and uh, not not disappoint. Um, and so what I'd like to do is just real quickly introduce um, Alexis Carousel and Tom Wilson. And Alexis is an account executive. I think you've been with Appian a few years and kind of been out and about uh, for about 15. So tell us a little about yourself, if you would, Alexis. Yeah, thanks, Joanne. Thanks for having us. Um, so my name's Alexis Carousel. Uh, I've worked with different technology and executive advisory companies over the past 15 years, focused on the energy segment. Um, it's It's been a lot of fun. I live here in Houston, so natural place to focus on this industry. And uh, I've been with Appian for the past three years. Great. Well, welcome. Welcome Thank to you. the podcast. And then my other guest is um, Tom Wilson. And if I'm guessing, Tom may have been in the industry for a little more than 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Thank you, Joanne. Great to be here. 
My name is Tom Wilson. My title is the Global Industry Lead for Appian, which means that I have, I work with people all over the world. Very familiar with what's going on with uh, other continents, especially in energy. Prior to joining Appian, I've spent 46 years, yeah, it's not a misprint, 46 years as a business consultant uh, with the majority of that uh, work in the energy field. So it would probably be easier for me to tell you which oil companies I haven't worked for than the ones I have worked for. It's a very short list of those that I haven't worked for. But I'm originally from Garden City, Kansas, just up the road. And I uh, used to live in Galveston, Texas several years ago. My oldest son was born there. So do a lot of work here in Houston. Happy to be here. And um, in business consulting I did was really uh, business process improvement. Uh, design for a lot of new companies and redesign for merger companies and companies that just weren't making it margin-wise. So I'm very familiar with the processes within energy and uh, looking forward to talk about this new one, ESG, today. Looking forward to that. Great. Great. Well, thank you both for being here. So you, you brought up that uh, you, you are familiar not only with what's going on here in the U.S., but in your role, Tom, globally, but whether it's uh, in the U.S. or outside the U.S., ESG, sustainability, big topics. And so um, I wanna, that's what we're going to focus on and how important it is and, and some opportunities that you guys think exist for embracing that um, to, uh, you know, to really uh, leverage and get some strategic advantage. So um, tell me, what, when you're out and about talking to folks in the oil and gas industry about this, what are you hearing? Want me to take that one? Sure. <laughs> we can both answer it. We hear different things, but <laughs> we work as a team. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so uh, ESG is the topic of almost every meeting or uh, comes up in almost every meeting, I think in the energy industry and then across industries as well. Here in Houston, there are a lot of um, wonderful conferences and uh, events like this to network with peers. And so I've, I've heard a lot of interesting things recently. One of the coolest experiences I had about a month or so ago was hearing from Gen Z um, in how they're thinking about climate change and how important it is to them. And I think we, we all know that, that they care more about the climate than any other generation and they're willing to pay up to 10% more for products and services that are sustainable. Uh, what was really interesting to hear from them was what they're looking for from energy companies interaction and uh, commitment. So they're really thirsty for engagement, even at their high school level, as, as students and as future consumers and as future employees of these companies, um, to interact with their curriculum and to deliver or show progress on climate commitments. Um, and I think that's something that energy companies are, uh, are, are doing um, to break down the, the big you know, net zero by 2050 into more manageable pieces and, and show progress. Um, and it's natural for this generation to be looking for that. They're gonna be the ones 25 years from now delivering on these climate commitments. Um, so that's been one thing that's, that's really interesting. And then the topic of today, uh, the, the balance between sustainability and profitability. And um, I think we'll get into some examples of what we've seen and how Appian can help with that. Um, and then this, this kind of third and final thing I'll mention is the, the partnerships that can exist across organizations and this notion of supply chain interdependency being equal to decarbonization interdependency. And there's been a lot of interesting dialogue around that. 
Excellent. Great. Thank you. Alexis, how about Tom? As far as what I've seen, a lot of this is uh, embellished by my work in EMEA, Europe. Um, they're a bit ahead of us in the United States. Um, it's coming to the United States. It's going to be an absolute. I know you've heard of it. One of the pressures that are on that is on energy right now is if you look at the leading industries worldwide that produce the most greenhouse gases, you'd have to say utilities, transportation, and industry. And all of those are tied to oil and gas. Uh, if you look at it from a numbers perspective, you could look at different uh, studies, but all of them rank around 30%, which means if you add the three together, 90% of all greenhouse gases are coming from utilities, transportation, and industry. Of that 90%, you can cut into a different cut of pie and say that 75% of it comes from oil and gas. So that's why there's a big target on our back in energy to uh, reduce those to, uh, as Alexis says, there's a lot of pressure from uh, people, employees, from uh, people the outside, not just the government, but we're all looking for that. What I can tell you in, in Europe, uh, right now they have a model and this could change and this is one of the reasons why we're looking forward to talking to you from Appian. Um, there's going to be a score, and it's going to be an ESG score. It might be, for example, 87. What does that 87 mean? It's a weighted average between E, environmental, S, the social, and G, the governance. Don't know what that final weighting is going to be, but there are going to be three scores that feed into your, your ESG score. That's going to apply to everybody. I don't care how big or small your company is, but if you're related to energy, you're marked. Uh, each one of the E, S, and G will have four elements. At least they have in Europe right now. We could end up with five, six, two, three. Um, but those elements, once you get a score from that, it rolls up to the S, and that S rolls up to the final ESG score, and that's coming. It, I, you hear a lot of clients or customers. It ranges anywhere, Joanne, anywhere, Joanne from, yeah, we're aware of it. Um, we know we're going to do something about it, but uh, by 2050, we'll be carbon free. What are you doing about it in terms of a plan? Really don't have an answer. A lot of companies will have an answer. They have a plan, but it's only gone down to maybe one or two levels. And once we get into sustainability, one of the most important things is, is to uh, have an acceptance from everybody. And um, there's an old Chinese proverb that says, tell me and I will forget, show me no, tell me and I will forget. Show me and I, I will, I may remember. And then involve me and I will understand. So the important thing about making ESG a part of our culture is really getting everybody to understand that they have a role. From the lowest ranked person to the CEO, and it has to go out that way. If you've started a, uh, an ESG program in your own company, Please, please, please have someone in charge of communications. Someone that could write an, an occasional article about what's happening, what we're doing, where do we go from here, and how you fit. Several years ago, I was working with a major oil company. I was their Malcolm Baldridge coach. And what that meant, you'd have a Malcolm Baldridge judge coming out and talking to all your employees and saying, do you understand what to do if you have an idea to improve quality at this company? And a lot of people, if you didn't hear, wouldn't know. It was a black mark as far as the Malcolm Baldrige Award is concerned. So you need to know. So everybody in the organization has to be has to understand that the chairman approves of it. 
He supports it, he's the sponsor, and you have a role. I don't care whether you've been here one week or 20 years and you push a broom, that's all you do. You all have a role. I've seen some uh, tuna companies that were saved by a janitor. Janitor pushing a broom, all the engineers were out there trying to figure out what was going wrong. The janitor had the idea. So listen to everybody. It's not just the most educated people, but all ideas are good ideas. And to kind of maybe build on that a little bit, you know, Alexis, as you were mentioning about the Gen Zers, mm -hmm. um, you know, these aren't just the consumers, they're very important, clearly, but they're also the talent pool from which oil and gas companies um, need to acquire and retain. And so th this commitment, this belief, this passion for that, um, you know, is benefit just for the companies being able to, to stay in business, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, so, so tell me a little bit more. So how can Appian, how is Appian uh, helping companies embrace this as, and uh, getting a strategic advantage? Yeah, so um, Tom and I have spent a lot of time discussing this and breaking it down by, you know, do we talk about scope one, two, three emissions? Do we talk about E and then S and then G? And uh, we, can, we can support companies in, uh, in each of those ways. So uh, maybe I can give an example of, of how one customer has, has worked with Appian. Uh, but to put that in a little bit of context, we're a, a process automation company. Um, so we help organizations automate uh, large, often cross-functional processes that have been historically manual or um, have different systems that are siloed to different parts of the organization or data um, that's held in different systems that's not connected. So that's that's one piece of what we do. Um, case management plays a big, a big piece in that, and that's what I'll talk about um, relative to our customer at EDP Renewables North America and how they've used Appian. In the case management perspective over the past 11 years, and then really the past couple years, looked looked at our capabilities as a process management company and as a case management company to address um, some really important ESG data collection and reporting initiatives. Um, so when um, when they first started working with us, and, and if you're not familiar with EDP Renewables, they are um, uh, a company uh, globally headquartered in Portugal with their U.S. headquarters here in Houston. And within the U.S., they operate 58 um, wind farms and nine solar fields, and then at the parent level, they're in numerous different aspects of the energy industry. When they first began working with us, it was to look at how how can they aggregate data related to their assets in in one place. Um, for them, their assets are um, wind fields, uh, wind farms, uh, individual turbines, and what they wanted to know is what is the history um, of operation, of service and maintenance, of um, commercial contracts of different employees and contractors that have worked on this site so that they can best get a, a holistic view, um, not just at, at one location, but company-wide, enterprise-wide, and use that to make better decisions when it comes to cost savings and investment and safety and the like. Um, so that's how they begin using us. Um, today, they take that same concept of, of case management and this notion of um, Appian as a single source of truth and apply that to ESG. So they've built a series of ESG applications, some focused around 
carbon emissions. Um, some focused on capturing environmental issues and um, spill or environmental response. Others focused on charitable contributions or um, waste management or recycling initiatives. And what they have found, and I, this is a really common challenge across the industry, is that without a tool to automate the collection, the request of you know, your, your site managers at 50 different sites or 100 different sites or 1,000 different sites around the world or, or in the US, um, to automate that, and have accountability um, has been key for them. So without that, it's, it's someone spending a lot of time chasing down answers, sending emails, following up on that, why haven't you sent me this? And, and then there's you know, limited accountability on behalf of a site manager who doesn't know where that information is, is even going. Um, huge, huge uh, manual effort and, and costs and time associated with that. Um, I heard from, from one large LNG company earlier this week that they have at one site just to measure methane emissions, 40 different tools and sensors. Um, that's just one type of greenhouse gas in one site. So if you multiply that across numerous sites, across, you know, for many companies, hundreds of different things that they're measuring from an ESG perspective, that's, that's not feasible, it's not scalable for someone or even a team of people to do without a tool to automate that. Um, so that's what we do at Appian. We can collect that information, and then when it comes to like your scope two emissions, we help uh, EDP Renewables to take invoices that come from um, from waste and recycling contractors and take those that you know are in many different forms many of their sites are remote and have uh, disparate service providers but use intelligent document processing to ingest that feed it all into Appian um, extract and classify the information and be able to roll that up in a much more automated way um, in that case to report on scope 2 emissions that's just one example um, and, and and one thing I want to be sure, and if you said it, I, I apologize for missing it, but this low code or no code ability on your tool, I think, is, is huge. Mm -hmm. Because we don't know how quickly things are going to change, but we know they're going to change. And so not having to go to an IT department and perhaps wait a while as it falls into a project list, but having some ability to do that, uh, I, I got to believe, is pretty powerful. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. So low code is the methodology through which we build applications and automate processes in Appian. And um, it's what makes building and uh, modifying tools so fast. Um, and that's what EDP renewables value so highly. It's the speed and the flexibility of uh, collecting that information. Because they are facing enormous pressure from, from their customers, regulators, um, the, the, you know, the, the general community, their investors, and every week it might be a different figure that they're asked to report on, and for every customer they might be looking for a different figure that's going to tie into that customer's um, scope two or scope three emissions based on um, what the service uh, the client is providing. Yeah, and EDP is, um, I, Alexis may have mentioned it, but we had Appian World recently and they announced that they had already built 50 applications by themselves using Appian and by the end of the year, they're going to be at 100. So one of the things that's impressive to me is it's fast, and it, there's a lot of agility there. So I mentioned before that all of these elements may very well change over the next several years, but this is what we're all about, to quick change. You don't have to wait six months to adopt a new change to get that in there. So what's happening right now in Europe, they're kind of a three-step. We'll have, it's, it's called, um, let's see, govern, not governance, governance, but getting the organization set, the strategizing of the plan, what's the 
You all have a baseline, hopefully you do, because you're going to need it in the future for greenhouse gases. It's like going on a diet. Whatever your weight is, you lose from that point. And you have to have a baseline. You just can't tell the government, we're improving. Improving for what? So the strategy is very much there. Digitization, I would challenge any of you to try to tackle ESG without technology. You're going to have rooms full of paper with boxes. You won't be able to find out where they are. But you have to have records. You have to issue reports if you're not already. And the third one is just decarbonization, keeping up with the demands, like making sure we're controlling methane leaks, which is a big deal in upstream, uh, other kinds of leaks that add to the, to the methane going into the air. So those three, strategize, strategy um, and uh, decarbonization, and certainly that, that one. So those, those three are certainly in play, and this is what we're using in Europe right now as an approach. It's working very well. Thank you very much. <laughs> So, you know, when we talk about ESG as being a strategic advantage, I, I, I do wonder if a key piece of that doesn't have something to do with speed and agility. Um, you know, the SEC just issued, uh, you know, their proposal, mm -hmm. certainly not effective yet, but it's aggressive on, um, about how quickly, you know, in six months, or they, they want reporting in 24 on, uh, on emissions in 23. Well, 23 is six months away. <laughs> now, granted, they probably won't get that time frame, but I, I got to believe that speed, I mean, do you, are, you think the folks you're talking with here in Houston, do they feel a lot, like a sense of urgency? Absolutely. Um, I think every single day when, when we have these conversations around ESG, there's urgency and, uh, and there's the need for speed. And that, uh, that is a competitive advantage for organizations to be able to quickly respond to your investors, uh, your customers, or your prospective customers uh, to, to meet their ESG goals um, or help them meet those goals. And the other thing that we're seeing is um, organizations starting to include a carbon bid as part of an RFP process, just like you would bid on a, a financial figure. Um, so that's something that, uh, that, that companies can be competitive on. And, and oftentimes, you know, when you think about what an ESG rating is, it's not actually the amount of carbon um, that's, uh, that you're emitting, it's the mitigation that you have in place. You can have a strong score um, and, and still be a, a carbon emitter, but it's do you, do you have the, the plan, the mitigation strategy in place? All of that helps uh, organizations win these competitive bids if that's part of the criteria. And I think that's where the, the trends are going, um, to have, have a, a real number associated with that in an RFP. Yeah. We talk a lot about change, too. Change, you don't have to wait with ESG. It's not like we talked about scope one, two, three, and then the S and the G. You can start all that right away. And it's, there's no point in waiting until scope one is finished before we go to scope two. Alexis was reminding me a few days ago that scope two is the easiest. You get a bill, you analyze it, and there it is. But scope three is going to be hard. Where you want to know how many miles did it take Dave to drive to work today, or how many flights did Larry take? How many miles did he go? We're, that's getting into scope three. That's a little later on, but there's no point we have to wait on any of this. We can jump into the S and the G, but just being familiar with that in your own organization, it's coming, and uh, there's no point in, in waiting for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, with ESG uh, trying to be in compliance or make it an advantage, make it a strategic advantage, um, there's going to be processes yep. that nobody's ever done before, um, uh, particularly when you get into the scope three. 
kind of stuff, and maybe even scope one for that matter. Yeah, you'll but, probably get into a lot of whiplash too, but government, I thought you wanted this. Now you want me to do this. And that's the way government runs. So those numbers could easily change as well. So that's where adaptability and speed come into play. So, so just as we're, one little other quick area I'd kind of like just to ask, when we talk about ESG, and a lot of the examples that, that I hear, there's a lot around E. And so I just wonder, you know, has anyone used, you know, your, your, your tool, your, your solution um, for S? Yeah, I'm happy to take that one. Okay, great. Um, so a, a couple examples, kind of back to the, the um, suite of ESG applications that our client EDP Renewables has built. One of those is in um, tracking and uh, for many companies matching uh, giving, uh, philanthropic giving. So many organizations want to be able to, to show that of not just what have they given as an organization for, through you know, large um, philanthropic causes, but for employees that, um, that, that give to their own causes and the company matches that, what, is that, what does that accumulate to? Or organizations like Appian, for example, will sponsor something that one of our clients uh, cares deeply about, a, a philanthropic cause. Um, as a way to engage with them. The company in many organizations might not be tracking that. So um, that's something that EDP Renewables has built, um, where every time an employee uh, gives a um, you know, charitable financial gift that the company matches, that's entered into a tool in Appian that the company matches, and, and they track that on a centralized basis. So that's one. And then um, another issue that we're talking a lot about these days is hiring and diversity and inclusion initiatives. Um, many organizations, and this isn't just an energy, across industries use Appian to automate the employee onboarding process with the, the, the goal of reducing the lags, reducing the, the time that the candidate is wondering, you know, is the company getting back to me? Where does the stand? Or on the, the hiring company's behalf, who's holding the ball? Um, who needs to, to take the step to interview this candidate to provide It's a perfect um, case management terms. tool, exactly, isn't it? Exactly, perfect, perfect case management tool. So from a DNI perspective, um, holding on to those candidates that are going to be so crucial to um, to, to diversity and therefore the financial success um, of the organization, Appian can help with that by, um, by automating that process. Yeah, just to build on what Alexis said, really, I know you all know in energy that uh, we have employees and we have contractors. In many of the big oil companies, we have more contractors and we have employees out in the field, it seems. Same thing applies there. Yep. So it's um, just to keep track of that with paper on an Excel document, uh, good luck. It's, it's going to be very, very difficult. So this is why we at Appian are very anxious to jump into the ESG market. And uh, one of the reasons Excellent. we're here today. Excellent. Well, thank you both. And I, I don't want to cut this short, but I do want to make sure we have time if uh, we have any questions for, uh, for Tom or Alexis here. So any questions? Yes, Delphina. <laughs> that, oh. <laughs> They probably do need a mic. Oh, they probably yeah. do. OGGN likes to do things the very best that they can. Okay. Good. So, so first of all, I want to commend both Oil & Gas Global Network and the representatives for APN for representing correctly, properly the S component and having a diverse panel in front oh, of us. Yes. <laughs> We're friends, too. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, I have a question. Um, 
you mentioned the extended uh, supply chain component of organizations looking at their ESG initiatives. How does Apian help support organizations that are also looking to track their impact to ESG initiatives throughout their supply chain? We could talk about this one in, yeah. uh, in, in a, a podcast that might go for <laughs> half a day, maybe. Yeah. Um, but uh, good, it, good question. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great topic to discuss. So, um, one thing that we enable for organizations, and and um, we have large global organizations and uh, U.S. government agencies that do this, is to use Appian as a platform, not just for within your own company to orchestrate supply chain and to look at where you might have supply chain risks and how to think of alternative suppliers and, and to use AI to mitigate that and all of those things, but to, to use the platform as a way to engage with suppliers so that the supplier can um, maybe provide bids through the platform. Um, those could be financial bids, those could be carbon bids um, and the like, and to use the platform to alert, um, alert the organization of potential shortages um, to then, you know, kick that that remediation plan or that, that backup plan into place um, to minimize those supply chain downtimes. Um, I don't know if that answers the question, or Tom, you no, sounds like it's me now. Well, one thing I would think here, and when you get into scope, not scope, but the Jeep, that is scope three. Um, I'm a big railroad fan, and you remember back in 9-11, people started using so many trucks, they started using a railroad. A lot of people don't know, but the average train back then was 100 cars. Now it's about 150. There was a lot of pressure to take care of the trains when they were in the terminal. But a 150-car train can run hundreds of miles in a gallon or two of gasoline. And so if it's possible, again, we're going back to involvement. Rather than having everything shipped by truck, if you can make an improvement, that's something worth registering as far as the scope three is concerned. You're always looking for how can we reduce leaks, how can we reduce cost. Um, that's one thing, just making a suggestion. That doesn't mean every, bring everything by train because you can't. But there's certain things you can depending where it's coming from. And just looking at, um, you, you're, you're going to have companies like this that also have an ESG rating. They're, the supply chain is going to be involved in that. So we're going to be able to see that. Uh, Alexis and I were at uh, a conference earlier this week called Distributech. And it was just amazing the number of manufacturers there making pieces of equipment that I didn't see at Distributech two years before. They didn't have one for last year, but two years before. And a lot of these you're getting into carbon capture. You're getting into uh, all kinds of different things that Appian could be a, a terrific alliance with. For example, digitizing person going out in the field, actually having a calculator or some means of communicating what's going on. Uh, going out to the field doing a work order, communicating, hey, the part that you sent me doesn't work, send somebody out to save a trip back and forth. So there are all kinds of different ways we can use in our normal operations in energy to reduce those unnecessary trips or a better way of using less carbon or, or emitting fewer greenhouse gases as we go forward. So we would look for supply chain vendors that are partnering with us in making sure that RSG ratings are, are improving. So we'd absolutely look for it, not just taking a chance, not, you know, that kind of thing. We look at it that way. Again, going back to what I said earlier, make sure your people are involved, because if you depend on the board to come out and say that, oh, here's an idea that we could follow, you're missing the boat. 
So we need to get everybody involved. Somebody out there is going to have a cousin or an uncle or someone who has a better way of doing something. So let's catch that idea. All ideas are good ideas at this point. And the best way to keep track of what those ideas are is with technology. Uh, this doesn't work. It really doesn't. So we need to have some way to identify them and ferret out the good ones and keep, keep the good ones and throw the, throw the bad ones away. It's okay. difficult to do that with paper unless you have an awful lot of whiteout. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. One last question. Yep. Hi. Thanks, uh, panel. I'm Rob McMillan with Data Gumbo. I wondered if any of your clients are asking you to help them to improve their performance so much that they get carbon credits, which, as we now know, are, are marketable. I wondered if that's uh, a request these days. We're, we're, we're getting... We're getting requests, but we're not a carbon offset company. We provide the data that will help, help you see and identify where those offset opportunities are or where we can redu reduce things. I remember working up in the oil sands in the winter uh, when there was a leak, a methane leak, it would freeze over. It was that cold. And they didn't know it was leaking until the winter hit. And so there are all kinds of different ways of seeing things, but Appian's not in the business of going out and saying, hey, you have a leak here, let's improve that. But the data is there, the records are there to help you make that decision. It may require more analytics on your part to go out to the field and actually check it out, kick the tires. But uh, the data is like numbers. Numbers don't lie. If it's there, it's probably there, but you'll always be charged with, with seeking it out. That's a great question. Great question. All right, so um, I think we're going to let folks uh, get back and enjoy some of the uh, some of the good things that are here to drink and eat. Uh, I think Mark's got something uh, real quick, but uh, once again, I want to be sure. I think I missed it up front. I thanked everyone, but didn't remind you that this is the podcast is part of the Oil and Gas Global Network, which is the largest uh, network of oil and gas podcasts in the world. Come back next week for another venture into the real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.